Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2. I'm in the Municipality of Hanover with Paul Weeb, and, and I'm super excited to be here. I, I came and visited last year. Um, we kind of didn't have time to do all this stuff, but uh, I knew this was a place I wanted to come back to. We got lots of cool stuff to talk about today. So um, we're in Bloomnort Fire Hall, brand new fire hall. Looks good here. Um, we'll talk some about that. So thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we're, we're going to start at the beginning because that's kind of how Growing Up Fire works. What's your first memory that you're like, oh, I'm going to be a firefighter? <laughs> oh, that goes back. Uh, I'm, you know, just uh, I've been on about 30, uh, almost 31 years. So it goes uh, back before that. I mean, uh, having family members in our local uh, in our local fire department. I, I grew up in Grunthal, which is in the southern part of our municipality. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, those guys, they... Uh, they did they they did it differently than we do. They didn't have what we have now, and so it was truly volunteer. Uh, they they built a lot of their own, own equipment, and they uh, they they didn't get paid for any of it. And yeah, so just watching them at that time uh, was uh, was was something that I, I I always admired as a kid. And um, you know, uh, it's something that that I thought uh, you know I could uh, one day get into. Um, yeah, and then as I uh, as I uh, went through life, I, I uh, in my late teens and early adulthood, I lived a kind of a crazy lifestyle, uh, which wasn't <laughs> wasn't great like a lot of us do. Well, that's right, yeah, small town. And uh, when I you know started to uh, settle down and looking for ways to plug back into the community and become useful to the community. Um, yeah, it's kind of searching. So we had, like, I'm sure my story is the same as, as many others. They, we had a we had an old fire chief. He was a little grumpy and a little crusty, and he didn't like he didn't like the guys that had it all together. That, that was something that uh, he kind of liked guys like me who had a bit of that rebel spirit, and you know, maybe not on top of my game the way I should be. He he had words for the guys that had it all together. To him, they were just arrogant, and he he didn't like them and. He made it, yeah. He didn't look for guys like that. He he thought he'd get some some of the guys that wanted to, uh, that were more his style, and uh, he could teach them. Yeah. So good, that's good. Worked so, out great for you. Worked out great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think you know it, it's true that we all kind of have a similar story of how we finally end up joining the fire department, but um, everyone is a little bit unique, right? And so like that that's a great one. 
you know, where here, here's a fire chief that says, I can help in more ways than just firefighting, right? I can help build some character. I can give people some, some chances that other people wouldn't give them. And um, it's not that he probably never took any of the so-called arrogant folks. It's probably just that he thought, I'll take more of these guys and give them a chance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that kind of stuff, I, I think that the fire service is maybe built with some rough and tumble, right? To this day, you probably oh. give chances to people that wouldn't typically get a chance. Yeah, if it was in the in in any other profession, we you know a lot of the guys would have wouldn't have lasted as long. But we 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 have all uh, like well as you know a lot of Marie type personalities and little little rough around the edges. But uh, I mean, they can get things done. We can do things that. Uh, that a lot of other uh, folks can't. So yeah, we attract those personality types, right? The can do's, not the I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I grew up with a dad that that uh, always said, "Don't use the words never," and and uh, you know, be careful with always. And you know, people that can't are always being passed by those that do. And right. and so you know, fit right into the personality of the fire hall. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so that's pretty cool. And so you moved up kind of as a firefighter through gunfall. Yeah. So uh, I got on. I was kind of, I guess, uh, if, if if we were at the arena, we would have called me a rink rat. But I was <laughs> I was at the fire hall all the time. I uh, first one tried to be the first one at every call, and you know, uh, last one to leave, and spent uh, spent my off days there uh, working, cleaning up, and uh, just any chance I could. You know, I'd be. I'd be the first to volunteer to drive the trucks in the parade and uh, anything. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, time goes quick. So all of a sudden you realize that you're, you're not the rookie. You know, you don't stay the rookie very long. You're, you become the go-to guy. And, and uh, you know, a couple of years in, we uh, well, put four years in, my, my chief came to me and he said, uh, uh, he realized that we our our training wasn't up to where it needed to be, so he 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 wanted me to take on the training role. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm one of the younger guys because there's just a lot of old guys back then. They they came there. It was a good time, but uh, thinking like, how am I going to train these old guys? And uh, but uh, I had his uh, his forties behind me, and I said yes, and he sent me to a instructor course and. Took that and uh, came back and and we started training for serious and and it was tough it was tough it was tough for the older guys but the uh, my chief and, and deputy they were very supportive uh, and um, and made sure that uh, that I had what I needed to to get that job done and so uh, at that time also we started training with the uh, with the other fire halls or the other fire departments that were part of uh, our municipality. So there's uh, we had three three fire halls in within the municipality at the ta- at that time. They were all being run independently. Uh, so we started training together, and it didn't take long before it made a huge difference. We were we were going from uh, we were making stops and we were doing some things out on the fire ground that we had never never done before. So. And all it was was a bit of training, and we, you know, getting your certifications, getting, you know, uh, getting the proper training on vehicle X, and uh, you know, hazmat, and all these things just, uh, uh, yeah, started making a difference. 
It, you know, I love it. It's such an important piece of the fire service history, right? Uh, and I think every fire service had to go through it or is going through it or, or will eventually have to go through it. And, and it's kind of when you take it from the good old boys club to the real professional modern yeah. fire service and and you add all the, the different kinds of people and you add all the different training and, and you just take it to that next level. Some of that, um, it really wasn't our choice, right? Some of it, right. occupational health and safety said, hey, we got to do this better. Some mm-hmm. of it was born from the losses that we had to suffer yep. out there, uh, whether it be, you know, actual firefighters getting hurt or killed or, or some of the buildings that went down. But you, we all get to that point where it's like, whoa, we got to kind of smarten up and move forward. I have a similar story in my, in my history, um, you know, and it's the same sort of thing. And, and I think that a lot of it turns right at training, right? It does. And so, it does. Um, it, it's cool that you said all of a sudden we were doing things that we didn't do before and, and uh, you know, we're getting saves that we didn't get and, and yeah. doing different things. And, and that's important. Yeah. It is, and and you know uh, the old guys we had on, they were they were doing what they were taught. They were doing the best they could, and it, it's not a knock on them, you know. No, for sure. But yeah. it was just, you know, turning this. We had to turn that corner, and and some of them just uh, decided, yeah, this is where this department needs to go. But I can't be part of it, and they stepped aside. Uh, others stayed on and trained, you know. So yeah. so it was kind of kind of cool to see. It was uh, it was a. There were some tough choices for these guys. but sure. uh, I mean, I still get it in my regular life. I'll stop places and people will be like, oh, why can't it just be like it was? Right? And, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, which parts? Like, why can't we get drunk on practice night? Right. Yeah. I can explain that to you. Or why can't we just go to fires and do the best we can? Okay, I get that that was fun and, and mm-hmm. good. Um, you know, why can't we use crappy equipment that doesn't protect us? Like, which parts of it are you actually asking me, right? Right. And most often it's like, well, it's not as fun now. And I, and I agree. I, yeah. I think that uh, all of the rules, all of the health and safety, all of the, it, it took a lot of the really fun things out of it, right? It did. Um, you know, we could just come here and that camaraderie was great and you could all hang out and you could do those things. And, and, and even the pieces where we'd stay behind after and have a drink and things like that. I mean, all of that was, if it would have been kept under control, it, it would still probably be here. Right? Yes. Um, yeah. But it, it kind of can get out of control <laughs> and, and spiral where we don't want it to. And, and then all the rules come. Right. And so to this day, when people talk to me about recruitment and retention, for example, um, the first thing I say, OK, well, how do you make it fun? Right. Right. Because even in a paid on call system, volunteer system, even a full time system, whatever you have, um, you want to enjoy yourself. Absolutely. We uh, I mean, we there are certain uh, certain things we still keep like we uh, at our fire monthly fire drills. We we sit down and have a meal together. We, we have it brought in and and we eat together and it's just the conversation around around uh, supper or dinner, whatever you want to call it, is just, yeah, it's just so valuable. And it's not always something that's appreciated by um, by, uh, by by the guys paying for it or, or, or <laughs> yeah, people sure. in the community. You know, like they look at it as a bit of a waste of money, and it's not. It's, it's uh, the camaraderie we have there. Uh, even getting the guys to do some fundraising, you know, and uh, just have a cause to, to to raise some uh money for even if we had and we've done it and we've given half given the money away but just to get together and do do some things together uh, yeah. it's just uh, brings the whole team together it's funny right firefighters need a mission they do right and whether it's training or we're going to build a new truck or we're cleaning the hall or we're fundraising or whatever the mission is um we're built to need a mission 
And, and so I agree with you. There's tons of places that, well, we don't, we're not allowed to do any fundraising. And I always ask, like, why? I, don't, I can't understand that, yeah. right? Whether you're using the money at the fire hall, whether you're giving it away to other groups, whatever, right. um, I agree with you. Like, some of the best camaraderie that I've ever been a part of is yeah. fundraising. Yeah, we went, uh, well, it was about 15 years back, we started doing fundraising. I guess our council thought it was a great way to pay for some equipment. So, uh, but it didn't take long because we firefighters are great fundraisers. And so <laughs> we, ra- we raised a lot of money. We bought three uh, thermal imaging cameras. Uh, we bought a quad uh, side-by-side uh, trailer. We bought a lot of stuff and suddenly, uh, you know, ratepayers are approaching council and saying, why aren't you guys buying this for them? And, and so that created a bit of, a, bit of an <laughs> issue because they're saying, so council of the, day, of the day said, well, we'll match every dollar that you oh, raise, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for it. Well, that lasted a couple of years and they couldn't realized they, they couldn't <laughs> keep up. So, so we kind of uh, put the brakes on fundraising. And uh, now the, with the fundraising that we do, we, uh, we give a lot of it. Uh, I know the fire hall in Grunthal, they'll... They'll uh, they'll help with the local food bank. Uh, they'll um, uh, they'll help it with Christmas hampers. In fact, uh, uh, this time of year they're starting to pack hampers and they're using part of the fire hall to uh, to do the to do that work. So so just being part of it. Those guys, the guys in that hall are uh, have been a part of that for a number of years, and it's just it's really good to to see them come together and do oh, that. Oh, part of that pride, professionalism it stuff, is. right? Yeah. Like it's and, and it is, and it's that mission. Right, and, and for there's one that's mission critical. You definitely gotta, you know, help out the less fortunate. So, um, it, it's just I don't know why anyone wouldn't want us to do those things, right? And, Absolutely. And uh, I get that sometimes it gets a bit tiring. You know, oh, we got this job and it requires a bunch of strong backs, so we call the fire department. But yeah. um, I'm still kind of proud that the fire department has that and that we're those yeah. people, right? And yeah. um, you know, they do call us for other things as well, and and some of the money's for us and some's for others, but. Um, there's no better mission to me than to be out there fundraising for whoever, for whatever we got to get done. So that, that's cool that you brought that up for sure. So um, kind of back to your time, we follow along. You work yourself all the way up to the fire chief of Grunthal. You're working together in training. And then the regionalization talks start. <laughs> yeah, so back in, uh, I was about six or seven years ago, uh, um, you know, our municipality is growing. We had, uh, at the time, I think just close to 18,000 residents, uh, we're busy and uh, a lot of development. And so our uh, our council started talking about uh, amalgamating all of our fire stations and making it one, turning it into one and uh, and hiring a full-time chief. So they got that all together and uh, I applied for that and I became the first full-time chief in this chief of, the, of Hanover. So something that was... Uh, you know, very challenging. We had uh, going from three separate communities, community fire halls to to one had had a lot of challenges. To uh, we merged them administratively, and then to you know we three different cultures in each in each station. So uh, it wasn't always smooth, but it it worked. So my uh, in my job description uh, for the first five years was to like I said. Uh, uh, merge all of our stations administratively and operationally, uh, and to build a fourth fire station uh, in in Blumenort. And uh, we had nothing there. We were uh, that area was being covered under contract by the city of Steinbeck, and so we had to uh, not only build the fire hall, purchase equipment, trucks, everything, 
but we also had to hire personnel, train them. And so uh, we got busy, and four years later we opened up, so that was, it was pretty quick. Yeah, honestly, for planning everything from start to finish, right? Um, I, I get, I talk to people all across the country and, and a lot of the conversation is around regionalization, right? Will it actually save us money? How would we able would we be able to do it? How do we start the conversation? How do we get the politicians to even talk to us about it? Um, and I always start with careful what you wish for because <laughs> yeah. it's a big job. It is. Um, and, it, and it's got, um, you know, good and bad. And ugly, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you talked about all the challenges. I think now I've been to a couple of the stations and, and I can right away see the good parts, right? You right. see standardization of equipment, of trucks, of the halls. I'm sure you're seeing a standardization in training, response, right. all of those things. Th- those are the good things. And I mean, those are the things to focus on. That's the prize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the bad, and we were talking about this before, was that not everybody loves regionalization. Right. Right? Yeah. So some, some have to decide to leave. Some have to be asked to leave. Uh, some kind of fade away into the, the past. And, and uh, I think we'll both agree that from time to time, you lose really good people to that process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it happened, for, happened with us. And uh, I mean, uh, in the fire hall, sure, there's, everybody wants to be part of their own community. They grew up in those communities. They want that community to, that community's name to be on that fire truck. And uh, those things had to change. Everybody had their own color of turnout gear, and we've standardized that now. You know, so uh, these things are difficult, and 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 they're not being jerks. They're just it's just difficult to to make all those changes, and these changes were happening very fast. And uh, but it even goes beyond the fire halls. So it, it, you know, in the community, there's a lot of pride in these communities to having their their community name on their fire station and their community name on their on their trucks. Uh, but, uh, but that was, uh, some of the most difficult, uh, uh, things to do is just to get everybody on board. Uh, I mean, a lot of the other, uh, things, uh, convincing council that it was a good idea was, was probably the easiest. I mean, we did, a, we did several studies. Uh, we, we crunched a lot of numbers. We spent a lot of time doing that and our, our accountants were really tired of me already at the end of this, but, uh, but yeah, that and, and we could prove that we're gonna that we're gonna save some money. Yeah. Uh, we had a we were part of a pretty uh, uh, a costly contract uh, with the city. Uh, they provided a great service to our ratepayers, but it, it 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 did cost us a lot of money, and we, it it costed us more than running our our three fire halls. Correct, yeah. And uh, you know, and granted, they were covering uh, you know uh, almost half of our population, and they were, uh, but we're renting we. We didn't own anything there. Yeah, that's uh, right. yeah. That money was You're gone. Paying every, for a service, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Money was gone every year. So, so uh, once we crunched the crunched the numbers uh, and uh, and looked at what we could all do, uh, I mean, we ha- we'd have a you know after after ten to eleven years, uh, we could start uh, uh, really seeing some of the financial benefits to it. So, uh, I don't think anybody's sorry. I think uh, everybody in our uh, our council has been really happy with the results, and I think our ratepayers have been really happy, uh, especially the communities that are getting coverage. Uh, you know, community like Bloomingdale. I've I've heard. I, I don't think I've heard one negative comment from anybody there. They've well, all. It must have been something on Facebook. 
Well, yeah, there's a, <laughs> Facebook is active out here, but it's, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was good, great to be a part of. So. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice, like you say, the community. They think that it's theirs, right? They want to be part of it. They, want, yeah. you know, they appreciate that protection, and it is cool. To me, I want to just. Just a bit of a step back. When you go from, so you're the Grunthal volunteer fire chief, yeah. and you take the job. Now you've got the coveted job. You're going to be the regional fire chief. And I always tell people, um, when you take your passion, right, and your hobby, and you turn it into a job, yeah. right, it, it kind of changes it. And so, oh. you know, like, let's talk a little bit about how that felt and how it kind of changed the way that you looked at the fire service at the time. Well, yeah. I mean, um it, it changed a lot, and I, and there's still not a day goes by that I don't that I don't enjoy going to work. I, I love every day, but it's different. <laughs> I'm not part of the, uh, and it took a while, but uh, you know I had to kind of uh, take myself away from the fire halls, take myself away from the guys because they'd come to me for everything still because that's what they were used to doing. Um, but I, I, my role changed, and and uh, it took it took a few months, and it's starting to show. Uh, I wasn't that guy anymore. That everybody wasn't uh, everybody's best friend. Wasn't everybody's <laughs> best friend, and uh, and uh, you know I had to uh, I had to do a lot of the ugly things, and I had to do a lot of the uh, yeah a lot of the things I was I, I had to do wasn't wasn't always popular. But that aside, it was uh, it's something that I. Uh, even for me, it, it, it just changed the job. Uh, I wasn't attending calls as much as I was sitting in the office and trying to... Making sure someone was. <laughs> making sure someone was and making sure they had what they need. But I told myself, I have to make sure that my chiefs, my officers have what they need. I don't have to, I'm not work. I don't have to give everybody what they need. I have to give my officers what they need. They can in turn... Take care of their guys, and uh, once I uh, figured out a way to do that, which didn't take long, uh, things started to, to to work a lot better. I mean, now I'll uh, out of our 250 to 260 calls a year, I'll attend uh, maybe, uh, you know, uh, I mean, certain days I'll I'll, I'll be on, but yeah. uh, I, I attend just you know if I attend a quarter of them, that's. Uh, that's uh, that's a lot. I don't have to attend as many calls as I. But the support comes after, right? The Where support you're comes like, oh, after. Oh, we need this, and we broke that, and yeah, right. And I imagine uh, the paperwork is mile high in your desk. <laughs> yeah, it is. It never stops, and uh, and that's great. You know, I, I I enjoy that part of it. The worst thing was, uh, you know, when I uh, when I uh, when I was a volunteer chief, that was kind of my hobby. I I did that. In, in my spare times, a lot of times when, when I should be working. Yeah, but when you uh, didn't have spare time, and you did it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but now I, uh, you know, now I'm, I go to work, I come home, and I, I don't have a hobby, right? right. So, so it drives my family crazy. But, <laughs> but, uh, but that's something I'm working on. I'm trying to find some hobbies. And, yeah. Uh, before I retire, I'll have to find some. Yeah. I'll have to find yeah. a Not allowed to retire until you have some. Eh? That's exactly. uh, that's the rule at home. Yeah. So. No, it's so true. And and then now it's a job, right? So now you're dealing with council more right. often. You're dealing with administration on a day-to-day basis. And you still have all the fire department pieces. And and then with regionalization, it was that times three. Right. right. And so, um, again, all these guys are, oh, we got to regionalize, we got to regionalize. Um, they also have to realize that someone has to take that job. Someone has to. And, it, and it's, uh, I agree with you, it's, it's better than a real job, but it's still a tough job. It's a tough job. And... Um, you know the uh, uh, 
firefighters and, and even my uh, my officers don't always understand the thoughts of council or the thoughts of our administration. And our administration and our council don't understand how fire works. Know, uh, you know, yeah. you can't just, you know, if this guy gets out of line, you can't just fire him because it takes two years to replace him. You know, you got to hire him, you got to train him, you got a huge cost. And, it's yeah. costs and and uh, getting them to understand that there's, uh, you know, there's dates on on turnout gear, for example. Like, why are we buying all this turnout gear? Why are we buying all these gloves? Like, how many gloves does the guy need in one, one year? You know? <laughs> so it's just uh, being that middleman and, and, and trying to help everybody understand uh, how the other guy's feeling. And, and uh, council or, or administration, they're not being... They're not being jackasses about it. They they have a job to do as well, okay. and they have to make sure that the money works and that uh, that their uh, you know their ratepayers are being uh, being looked after as well. So the accountability goes all the way up and all the way, way down, up. right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. I, sometimes I'm the I'm the guy in the middle and getting beat on from both sides, but but it's okay. I'd rather do that than have some. You know, then to have it go the wrong yeah, way. It's still an amazing career to be part of. It I, is. I don't regret a second of being in the fire no. service. Um, you know, I, I other than be alive, I didn't do anything else longer than this. And, and yeah, uh, you know, it, it's just it's fun. It's exciting. Um, and on the bad days, you just have to remember all the fun and exciting things that are going to happen. Right. So. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to switch back a little bit more about training, right? I know that's a passion for you. You've got some cool stuff that, uh, you know, bringing everyone together regionally, standardizing that. But let's talk about your training weekend, because uh, I think that's something that a lot of people could try out at home. Yeah, so we, uh, I mean, the, the whole idea goes back to, uh, uh, well, it's a number of years ago, there, uh, the, the Manitoba Fire College used to have a training weekend. In Brandon, so we used to send guys out there. We'd send four guys there from each uh, from each fire hall, and that kind of uh, uh, that weekend kind of I don't know what happened to it. They quit they quit hosting that. So there's a big void for us. We uh, we were training within our halls. We were uh, we were uh, and that was great. We you know you know two drills a month, and then all your level one classes and all your all your other courses that you're taking, so you're you're at the hall, but one one night a week usually uh, doing some training. But we were really missing uh, that that uh, those weekend training uh, situations. So so we just decided we'd uh, we'd put together a weekend. We'd we'd bring in some outside instructors just so it would also give our our instructors the opportunity to do some training. Awesome. And um, so we'd bring in some outside instructors uh, to. Uh, we'd, we'd we'd have one or two college uh, college courses so they could get some accreditation on on some of those if, if some guys like a emergency vehicle driving course and you know traffic control get courses a few certificates get yeah, a few certificates yeah and then we'd bring people in to uh, to do uh, training that we couldn't otherwise get uh, the one year we had um, uh, we had this gentleman uh, Lionel Crowther from City of Winnipeg came in and did some uh, firefighter self rescue training. We brought guys in to do foam training, uh, just, just, uh, just a total, yeah, just different guys. So the guy, so they could listen to different guys, and just our own instructors. So, so we'd uh, we'd run about. Uh, we do a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. We'd uh, we'd run a run a few of those classes, uh, make sure that everybody was in 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 at least one every day. And uh, uh, Saturday night, we'd uh, uh, get a bunch of chicken. We're farmers. We're 
a lot of chicken farmers around here. So we'd uh, barbecue a bunch of chicken on the nice. on the grills, and nice. and we'd make a, make our own meal. And uh, and then uh, this last time, we, or we had we'd get some uh, if we could get somebody to come out and speak for that for the evening. Sure, you guys right. could bring their wives or girlfriends and different voice and different, different yeah. story. Yeah, awesome. so uh, so just to change things up, and you know everybody everybody really enjoyed that. And uh, unfortunately, for the last two years, we've with all the COVID protocols oh, we yeah. haven't been able to do a lot of these things but we're we're looking to get back into that uh you know in in 2022 acres emergency vehicles a message from our community a person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an acres emergency vehicle this is our mission to thank these people with the best gift we can our best effort our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. I think everyone's excited to... Get going, eh? like yeah. just get some training. Get a, I was I did a talk uh, maybe a week ago or whatever, and uh, you know there was 80, 90, 100 people there, right? And we had to follow all these protocols, big building, and but uh, it was just nice to get a bunch of people yeah. back together and get oh. the questions and get the camaraderie and everybody talking and um, yeah. missed it so much. Right? Yeah, our um, I mean we're 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 coming out of that now, but in the beginning when COVID first hit, we were shutting down a lot of our training. Uh, you know, we did uh, training within our halls. We'd usually have three or four drills uh, uh, throughout the every year, where where we just trade guys. So we'd number each guy, and we just so so it'd all be we'd have everybody mixed up, be like shuffling a deck of cards. Yeah. Um, so we had to stop that, and a lot of things we didn't know a lot of things, right? Yeah. Uh, now we've gotten on uh, on top of some of the some of that stuff. So we're getting back into that, and uh, you know, in 2020, we're we're hoping to really just to be back in full swing with with all that's all awesome training. so here in manitoba there's some other cool programs and and this one uh, you you got a unique take and story about this one so one of the things is the mutual aid districts and and they yeah. kind of just the ofc put everybody together in different areas um and so we were talking about that and and so you guys have actually opted out of that yeah so uh, i mean mutual aid in manitoba is a great thing um there's there's no doubt it uh, it helps a lot of communities especially uh you know in, in parts of the province that are uh, a little more sparsely pro- populated it really really uh, helps them they'll help each other out uh and provide mutual aid to each other so not everybody has to has to have the full full fleet of equipment you know you can uh, you you can help each other out and and, and, and really some benefit. specialties this yeah and, that. and yeah for sure and so the office of the fire commissioner funds a lot of uh, programs they'll put um, you know put a lot of equipment in these mutual aid districts and stuff so it's a really good good program uh we were part of it till about the mid 90s back in those days uh, things aren't the way they are today so um we were running to a lot of our neighboring uh, towns and municipalities you know, for very basic calls. Uh, so the mutual aid wasn't really mutual. It was more of a one-way, <laughs> one-way aid. There's an age-old story. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, at the time, uh, we we had some newer equipment, and some some of the other ones maybe maybe didn't have as much. 
and they were smaller they didn't have the, the funds for it either so so at the time uh, our council wanted to start charging for 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 some of those initial calls into our neighboring municipalities and and there was a big uh, big argument over that and so so uh, we were asked to leave uh, and uh, our council took that as an opportunity to to get out and uh, we we still offered our services to any of them at the time we'd, we'd still provide uh, uh, um, reciprocal aid to them uh, just for a fee but if they came to help us we'd pay them as well so so same thing just now it's in a different form yeah, and, yeah okay. they're just money exchanging yeah and uh, so we uh, that's the way it's been going for the last uh, 25 years uh, it's been um, in the last uh, within the last five years we've renewed all of our uh, our, our uh, reciprocal agreements with all of our neighbors. Uh, we don't use a lot of them. Uh, the city of Steinbeck is the big one. We we use that a lot. Okay. Uh, they'll they'll uh, usually call us in as their as their first uh, first mutual aid because they're in the same position as we are. They're not part of the of the provincial mutual aid. Okay. So we we uh, take a lot of calls in 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 the city if they need if their if their resources are are stretched or if they have a big incident, and we'll use their resources as well uh sure like when you look at your map it, it makes sense yeah. right steinbeck's right in the middle you're you're rounded on three sides yeah. you know three and a half sides and and yeah. uh you know you're kind of gonna be partners whether you like it or not right? yeah it's just gonna happen <laughs> so so the i mean it's it's worked out well uh our our councils have to really provide us with a lot a lot of equipment and then they've been willing to do that over the years right now we're at, we're at a good place there we have uh you know we have enough we have four water tankers we have four engines we have we have uh four rescue uh trucks that are you know equipped with the vehicle x uh tools or and rescue tools so we're well equipped um so so that's part has worked out well for us the the only thing that um you know i could see uh you know with training it'd be great to train with our some of our neighboring municipalities and we're trying to get a lot a little more of that we've uh, we've uh, invited them uh, and and they've they've come whenever we've had a had some classes that uh, where we we'd like to sure yeah. you got to slowly kind of break down those yeah. walls and and make sure everyone's still cool with everything and absolutely and and you know they're all my friends all the neighboring chiefs were were great friends and and uh, we'd help each other out in a heartbeat you yeah. know and it's just uh, a decision that got made 25 years it, ago that carries on today yeah and it's uh, <laughs> at at this point there's no uh, there's no motive to change it. Right. So uh, yeah. the invitation has been given to us to, to re-enter. I think there's more of a, it's more of an issue as to uh, how things would look if we'd enter, if we'd come in and take a lot of the resources that they're, that, uh, that our neighbors are now getting. I don't want to do that either, you know. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it's something that'll probably be, well, I'm, I'm thinking we'll have discussions on in the future. Yeah. at some point for now it's working if it's not broken don't fix it right yeah exactly so it's pretty cool you were just talking about resources so uh, i want to move on to and this is kind of cool you've uh, been given some unique opportunities that a lot of chiefs don't get to be a part of right so you you not only built one fire hall you've now built two fire halls you renovated another one right there's you're always planning on what's going to happen yeah. next um, you've got to buy a whole bunch of trucks you listed them all off for us and so, you know, a lot of fire chiefs will go into areas and, and they might get to buy a truck or two, knowing that they're 20-year right. trucks, they might get to build a fire hall or in a whole career, maybe not, 
right? because the fire halls are built to last longer than 20 years. And so um, l- let's talk about that because I, yeah. I love fire halls. I mean, yeah, well, you know, when I uh, took over as chief in, in Grunthal back in 2004, we had an old fire hall and we had uh, our trucks were getting getting old. So I knew we knew that we would I'd be part of something. So so we started making a plan. So with with the trucks, we, we and we planned to, uh, of course, that was before we regionalized. So uh, we had to make the plans together with the other fire fire departments within Hanover, and we we came up with a 20-year plan on trucks. We put uh, we put numbers to them, and we uh, years uh, that they'd be replaced at, and and so uh, so it was a 20-year plan, and we finished uh, that in 2020 with uh, we uh, or in 2019 we purchased our last truck as part of that replacement schedule that we established back then. So it was pretty incredible. Uh, but I became chief in 2001, and in 2005, we, uh, we specced our first, uh, which would be Hanover's first custom uh, pumper. So uh, that, was, that was a big step. You know, we bought a lot of uh, stock trucks. We bought a lot of, they're all on commercial chassis there, and they, were, they worked well. We bought used trucks. We were running gas. These old fuel trucks were <laughs> tankers. And some of them had brakes, and some of them had, had brakes whenever... You know they wanted to. They wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of stories about those, but but uh, yeah. So uh, we got to work and uh, and started replacing that. We replaced our that engine in uh, in 2005. In 2009 was a big year for us. We replaced the tanker in Grenfell and we built our fire station. So so oh, that was a both. big year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was you had uh, no free time then. I had no free time. <laughs> I I saw my family once in a while, but. but <laughs> But uh, at the same time, we were still, uh, you know, the other fire stations were all, uh, they had to replace theirs too, but we couldn't do it all in the same year. So part of doing it together was council didn't want us all coming to them at the same time, asking for money so uh, and asking for stuff. So we, we, we paced ourselves, right? So of course, yeah. next year it's their turn, next, you know. Sure. And so, so we, we replaced, uh, you know, a, a, a rescue in, in Kleefeld to... Uh, a year later or two years later, I can't remember exactly. Uh, and then we replaced the pumper in 2013 in, in New Bothwell, and we replaced the pumper in Kleefeld, uh, in all the, yeah, New Bothwell's 2012 and Kleefeld's 2013. So we had a pretty aggressive schedule. Yeah, you're like always specking a truck. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then back, and then in 20, 2015, I became the regional chief here, and, uh, and, um, and then with with uh, opening up a new fire station in uh, in Blumenort, we of course spec three trucks for for that new station, and we still had the last of our uh, of our original uh, plan that we established in 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 in, in the early two thousands, and we replaced the rescue truck in uh, in New Bothwell. So. So it was it was a busy time. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. It's always super crazy to me that um, fire trucks are expensive, fire halls are expensive, and and they get fire chiefs. So luckily, you know, once you were full time, it became easier. You could spend more of your day working on it. Yeah. But when you're the paid on call or the volunteer chief, um, and there's tons out yeah. there, and, and they don't, so they don't have a background in it. They've never bought a fire truck before. They've never built a fire hall before. And we come to them and say, "What do you want for a fire hall?" Right. And so I still get a lot of those calls yeah. in a year saying, well, I don't know, what does a good fire hall look like? And so yeah. I'll say, call this guy, call that guy. He just right. built a nice one. You know, I've seen like just about 400 now. So I yeah. got a 
pretty good uh, inventory of ones that I like, different sizes. Right. And, yeah. Which is why we'd come to see this Blumenort one, because uh, Ben had told me, ah, you got to see this place. It's really great. They did a great job. So we got to see Grunthal on this one on the same trip. And uh, so it, it's... Uh, it just amazes me that we, we get really no training for it. We get no, right. but it, it's even kind of that way for everything, right? I go to most fire halls and say, oh yeah, okay, what, who's the fire chief and who's the deputy, especially the volunteer ones, right? Well, how'd you get that yeah. job? Well, I don't know. I just outlasted everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> won the bolt, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, fire halls and fire trucks are just kind of like that. You go to buy your first fire truck and, and I can remember doing this where it's like, well, I, I got to find someone that knows more about this. So yeah. kind of the first salesman that shows up, you're like, oh, well, what about this? And yeah. and they kind of write the spec for you and you're kind of going through it. And yeah. and you don't know if you're getting a good fire truck or a bad no. fire truck, or, right? <laughs> and so like to me, let, let's start with fire halls. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like give some advice to these folks. You, you built a couple now. So what advice would you give? Well, uh, there's one thing I learned is we're never going to get it all right. Usually... Uh, uh, we built the, the first one in 09 and uh, there, we liked a lot of things about it. We went and looked at a lot of fire halls and visit, made a lot of visits and, and we kind of made, uh, made, uh, came up with a design that we thought we'd like. Uh, when we built this one in 2009, we, we, uh, we fixed all the changes. We made changes to everything that we didn't like about the first one. Well, a year later, we're thinking, why did we do this? Why did we do that? And so you got to throw that out of your head. Uh, for us, it was uh, just having enough room in the truck bay for one, uh, our old fire hall in Grunthal, we were climbing, we had the old uh, uh, Grummond uh, or the, uh, it was a, well, it was actually a Freightliner, but it was uh, the walk-through trucks, oh, so, yeah. okay. which was which was important because that's how we got through our hall, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> they no. were packed in so, so tight we had to walk through the in truck. In the back door <laughs> yeah. of the side. Eh? So, <laughs> so we needed enough room. We wanted enough height. We, we never wanted to restrict a truck build on uh, on door size okay so so yeah just to get enough room uh have enough room to meet uh have enough yeah meeting room um locker rooms just just have enough room uh, for the guys so and then the other thing in manitoba we uh there's of course uh well probably throughout the beyond manitoba but we uh, Anything less than 6,400 square feet could be built on, under Part 9 of the building code, and anything over had to be Part 3. So so Part 3 uh, is a lot more expensive. you got to do a lot more engineering and a lot more uh, architectural work. And so, of course, uh, I came, came from a building background in my, in my uh, full-time job, so um, I made it 6,400 square feet, and uh, we built it under part nine of the building code. So we saved, we saved a lot of money that way. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and so we, uh, yeah, just, uh, just uh, took a lot of advice from not only from outside people, but from what our own guys wanted, or what we felt we needed. And it, it, and it is, it's, it's really difficult. Like every time someone asks me, what kind of fire hall do you want? Right. right. How many trucks do you have? How many people do you have? Yeah. How often do you meet? Yeah, How big your... are your training sessions? What, you know, are, yeah. what are you doing in the wintertime for training space? Right. Do you need more space inside for that? Do you, and, and so by the time you go through this huge list of all the things, which is what you were saying, like, what do you need? Right. Mm -hmm. 
um, all of a sudden, you know, how are the outside people going to interact inside the fire hall? Are you going to have public that comes in and goes to meetings? Are you not allowing them in there? Right. Where are you going to park? Where are you going to drive? Is it drive through? Is it back in? Is it? Yeah. And so, um, depending on the answers to all those questions, I could give you dozens of different fire halls that meet right. that criteria. And I've been to beautiful fire halls. We're sitting in one, um, you know, that I just love that wouldn't work for certain people. Yeah, would work perfect for others. And well, that's very important, you know. And and every time I get a get somebody coming to look at this fire hall fair, looking at building. Uh, I always tell them, don't build what we have, build what you need, like <laughs> right figure on. it out, figure out what you want. And, and yeah, take these ideas, but, but, uh, uh, everybody's uniquely different. Uh, we carry a lot of our gear on our trucks, so we don't need the clean, uh, locker room. Right. So we didn't build that, uh, just because we didn't need it, it would never be used. Uh, mm -hmm. so we, Every time we come back from a fire, everything gets decontaminated. We've been dealing with, we're in a farming area. There's a lot of livestock farming. We've been dealing with a lot of uh, disease uh, and, and viruses from, from animals. So, so some, of our, some of our firefighters, if they, if they work in, in, the, in the hog industry, for example, well, if they were at, that, at, a, at a particular barn fire, well, that one's got uh, certain viruses or disease. Now they can't go to work for two weeks, you know, so they have to decontaminate and they have to, we have to do a lot of things. So we've... We've been dealing with that for years, way before COVID. Right. So, uh, so when we come back from a, from a major structure fire, whether it's a, a, a whether it's a you know a, a barn or even a even a, a house fire, uh, we'll de decontaminate our entire fleet. Every gear gets washed, our trucks get cleaned, um, and then everything goes back in clean. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so for us. Uh, uh, we having a having a clean room for our gear didn't really didn't really work Makes for us because yeah. we, we need the gear on the trucks because a lot of times guys are meeting you there yeah or, we're still yeah. rural you know yeah, of course, yeah. so uh, so it depends what you, what you're looking for and uh, uh, yeah and like you say have enough room to to do stuff uh, you know it's uh, it's, yeah, if you just build it for today, you're already yeah. behind. Before it's even built, you'll already be behind. Yeah, and on that, we <laughs> in 2009 when we built Grunthal, we we had so much room in there. Uh, well, if you look look in that fire hall now, it's almost full. So you're almost in the back door yeah. out the side again. And it's uh, 12 <laughs> years later, and it's uh, that's not. Uh, maybe we should have looked ahead a little further. Well, and I guess you just never know, right? Never and, know. and you don't know when you're in the rural areas how much urban sprawl you're going to get yeah. how many people are going to come out who's going to come what industries are going to show up what size those industries are going to be i mean it gets so difficult and yeah. and so it's a really hard discussion to have but i mean this is great you bring up lots of good points and lots of things for people to think of um and yeah call paul up over here at the municipality hanover he'll uh, he'll show you his place he'll send you pictures absolutely um, he's got a couple firewalls he can be super proud of so let's switch to trucks, because now trucks got the same same issue, right? You've right. you've bought a ton of trucks now. You've dealt with all kinds of different uh, salespeople, all kinds of different chassis, all kinds of different makes, engines, tenders, tankers, yep. um, rescues, whatever, right? So yep. same same thing. What what advice do you have for that poor chief that's like buying his first truck ever? Well, uh, one lesson I learned on my first truck was, uh, or one of the first ones, uh, yeah, the salesmen are great. They, they can provide so much information for you that you don't have, uh, that you need. But uh, if they're writing the spec for you, make sure that it's loose enough that others can bid on it. I put a spec out there once and I had two bids and one wasn't really all that serious. So, 
So the guy really set himself up to win that tender, and uh, I learned from that. And uh, uh, so I'll write my own. I'll write my own specs. But um, uh, one thing I did learn is is uh, use them to use them to get the information. But but go and do your research and figure out what each component is and what it does, and if you need that, and uh, just. Just uh, be careful how you how you write your tenders. You know you want to have a good, healthy competition for your. That's how you get the best price. Yeah, right? for sure. And uh, these last three, we uh, we we tendered. Uh, yeah, it, it was great. We had a lot of lot of bids on them, and and I think we got them for some great. We got some great pricing on them. But there's uh, there's so many things. There's there's a million things on these trucks. And to, to try and learn that is is difficult, and when you're when you're, it was easier. These last few were easier because I was a full time. It was my full time job. But if you're a part time chief, you don't have time for that. And so so I feel for them, and I've I've done it as a part time chief too. It's difficult, um, but uh, but it's in the end it's worth it to take the time to to learn. You know, as as, as chiefs, we have to become experts on everything. I have to become an expert on turnout gear. I I had to learn how they're made, what they're <laughs> What what they're yeah. made of? How does it know. stop cancer? How does this stop yeah. heat? How does this stop? Oh, yeah. And then they yeah. have their numbers, and how do they calculate those numbers? And why is your number different than your number? And, yeah. and you're using the same stuff. Yeah. And, and it's always for Trev Dodge, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. So, so uh, yeah, we kind of have to be experts on everything. But the thing is, the experts are out there, and they can provide you with a lot of. Uh, I mean, these guys are great salesmen, uh, but uh, they do have a lot of information. Just, uh, just. Uh, I mean, you got to learn which is the sales pitch and which exactly. is and which is the information, and take the information and use it. That's it's there. And that's what I always tell people, right? Get the demos. Yeah. Have people come in and show you stuff. Go go to the places where they make these things and have a yep. look at it. When you're building a fire hall, go and visit a bunch of different fire halls, and then right size it. And and yeah. right right application right size for your municipality, and and so I think that. The problem with being a volunteer or a part paid chief is you don't have the time for that. You're, you don't have the time. You know, you've, you've got all the same pressures as the rest of us, plus a job. Yeah. And now you have the fire department versus, like you say, when, when it becomes a job, well, Monday to Friday, I, I can yeah. work on this. Yeah. It's my I job to do, yeah. to do a really good job, right? <laughs> I can go visit these places. I can yeah. talk to people. And and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super difficult that they put... They get put in that position, right? It is, and then they got to go to council, yeah. And they just grind. <laughs> well, what about this? And why do you pay yeah. that? And why do you need this? And, hey, yeah. I just had to learn this all in my part-time yeah. spare time, yeah. Um, over the last two months, and now you're in here grinding me on it, which I get. They have to do. They it's have to do their part. piece, but um, it's a really hard position, whether it's full-time or part-time. A really hard position, yeah. right? I mean, I guess it's fine when you're Winnipeg and you're buying six engines at a time, and you have yeah. a whole committee, and yeah. Right, um, but as you get out into these smaller and more rural areas, um, you know a lot of people don't even have the full time position that you have. Right, and and so you know building a fire hall is just seems like this huge yeah. thing, right? Yeah, and I guess uh, my advantage was I was in the like I said in the building uh, business. So, yeah. so for me that the, the they building were going to trick you. Yeah, it was <laughs> it, it, it came a lot it it, it was a lot easier. Uh, uh, we 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 kind of had a unique uh, way of doing it. We hired. Uh, we we took on the general contractor role ourselves on both on both of these builds. Uh, we hired a project manager to manage the trades, and, uh, and that way I had uh, I had um, 
more autonomy over over which trades got hired, and I, I could I could keep my finger on those buttons a lot more than right. than if you're just contracting it, you where you lose control. So I had control of, of every piece that went into here, which so, is awesome because you yeah. have that background and and you yeah. know all about it. And so, you know, if someone said that to me, hey, we want, I'd be like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> are you sure? So, <laughs> right. So yeah, I I uh, for me. If I didn't have that background, I probably we probably wouldn't have done that. But but it worked out well, and I think we we saved a pile of money doing that. And and you know anytime you can, you know councils if you can save them a pile of money, they're they're on it. You know, yeah, oh yeah, and for sure. uh, and they should be right. Yeah. So uh, so I had I had really really good support from them on that. So that was that was good. Awesome. Okay, we're getting close to the end. This is your spotlight: the good, the bad, the ugly. Anything else that uh, you want to share with us about uh, the municipality of Hanover? Well, we're, uh, I mean, training. Going back to that, uh, we're we have our, uh, a few years ago. We we uh, got a piece of land by the uh, close to our public works or kind of part of the, our public works uh, yard to establish a training sites. So, nice. so we did some. Uh, we did some. Got some grants and we did some uh, groundwork. We put a couple of containers down, some props. Uh, you know, we've got a, yeah, got a few props. Got a, a hydro prop from which we got from Manitoba Hydro. Uh, some uh, propane props and stuff like that. Uh, uh, farm accident uh, rescue. Uh, we do that there, and, and just a place where we can do our vehicle X in summer summertime. It's it's all outside, but but we're. Uh, we are, uh, but now we're looking to uh, develop that even more. So uh, I just went to council last week uh, uh, just to have them approve our plan of, we have a 10 year plan, like everything has to go. Around here we have to plan. Hey, that's, that's okay. I mean, any, any, a, an okayed plan means that you're gonna get stuff over yeah. a 10 year period, so. And uh, anything, any money we spend that's not part of our operational has to go through our fire protection reserve. And uh, if we don't get it into there, it's not being spent. So. So we, uh, over 10 years, uh, Hanover will commit uh, a, a fair amount of money, uh, but I mean, not, it's not going to cover everything, but at least we can start doing some fundraising. So we want to put a, uh, a multi-level uh, uh, burn containers, uh, you know, fully engineered. So uh, yeah. uh, there's several throughout the province already, and some are being built now. So we're looking at doing that, uh, you know, building... Uh, uh, just a few other, you know, we want to put up a retention pond for, for drafting water and, uh, you know, some hydrants there so we can do some, do some, uh, do some drills, uh, with that and do some live fires there. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, pretty exciting. We're, we're looking forward to that. We're just at the, at the start of it now. So, uh, we're looking, you know, in 10 years, hopefully we'll have something, something really, really nice. We'd like to build a, we, we'd call it a fire hall, but, uh, build a training hall there as well. So. Yeah. So it's something uh, our guys are willing to put in a lot of sweat equity as well. So, you know, they're they're itching to do it's that. It's awesome. Again, mission, right? Yeah. You give firefighters a mission, so the, there's another mission, right? Like, yeah. let's build a great training center where we all benefit from it. We have a great time there. We learn a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I get that councils, you know, it's tough on them. We want it to spend is. a bunch of money for training. We don't yeah. spend that much on the other places. Um, but... Can you train too much for a job that can kill you? I guess that'd be my question, right? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and so exactly. uh, I, I love to hear training centers, right? I love to hear yeah. nice big training rooms and the effort that's being put into it, you know, regionally, um, fire hall to fire hall. Uh, you can't go wrong. Like, no, you can't you know, go For wrong. firefighter safety, what's the top thing we can do? Exactly. Right? Training, good equipment, yeah. good people, away we go, right? Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, I think everybody experiences the same thing. You train, uh, you get your guys, uh, guys stay, in, stay engaged, right? Once you're, if our training tapers off, so does the attendance of calls. It, it just goes hand in hand. And, it does. And so uh, uh, that's something we, we push pretty hard. We have a, we have a fantastic training officer who, who works, uh, I mean, he, he's got a full-time job as well, but that's his, uh, he looks after a lot of the, a lot of the uh, of the training part uh, stuff for me and and yeah I I can't say enough about these guys who put in the time to to uh, do the instructing and to put it all together course, right put it all, it all together and, yeah so awesome all right Paul Weeb Municipality Hanover here at the Blumenort uh, Fire Hall thanks for your time really appreciate you being on the show all right well thanks for having me I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.